Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. So I really appreciate you tuning in, and I always like to just thank you so much for recommending the show to your friends, your family, colleagues, coworkers. Um, you know, it really is one of the ways that we help the environment that we live in just be a lot more tenable, a lot more accessible, and actually, you know, a lot more fun. And so today, I'm going to introduce this topic And this is about, wow, I'm not attracted to my spouse, or my spouse is no longer attracted to me. So what do we do when that happens? And it doesn't have to even be spouse. It can be boyfriend or girlfriend. It can be, you know, whoever, you know, it could be who you live with. It could be a committed relationship, but you haven't decided to marry. But what happens when you're not uh, attracted to that person that you are now committed to? Uh, Or what happens when the person that committed to you is no longer attracted to you? So what is attraction? How do we lose it? How do we regain it? Well, it's a responsibility to others if you really want to know the truth. See, attraction isn't always about your physical presentation. So what makes people attractive? What are the qualities that attract people? Well, if we think about men... One of the biggest attractions from women to men, or even men to other men, if they're going to work with them, is confidence contained. That means that you don't have to have all this false, you know, bravado, that you really trust yourself, that you have come to terms with who you really are, and that you really be the best man that you could be. And so attraction isn't always about your physical presentation, right? So... Think about men. Wow, the most attractive men are the ones that are not ugly or dirty or vulgar. It doesn't have anything to do really with their physiological appearance. It has to do with the power that they have and how they assert it and what it feels like many times for women to be around it. So he's very attractive to women and he gives them confidence because they feel safe. And so women can relax 
and don't have to flinch because he's maybe pushing the boundaries. You know, and men, I know you know what I'm talking about, and I know you like to see reactions from women. My husband still does it. I tell him repeatedly he knows, don't tease your wife, okay? (laughs) Don't tease your girlfriend. Don't tease your sister. Don't tease your daughter. And men cannot help it. They love to tease because they just love to see the reactions. So I'm not saying that you should just stop this, you know, from, from now on. I just want you to remember that the best way that you get this relaxed version of a woman is that they don't have to feel like you're constantly pushing the boundaries. And so it also could be comments behind their back, like what is it that she's seeing in him? I'm sure that you with other women have said, you know, wow, why is she even with that guy? Or why does she tolerate him? So she could do so much better. And inversely, right? We say sometimes about men, why did he marry her? Oh my gosh, I feel sorry for that guy. He has to put up with her. What did she see in him? Did she just marry him for the money? Did he marry her because of her, I'm not going to say, where the cleavage is, right? Is that what makes someone attractive? Really, actually, if you want to know what's really attractive to humans, kindness, gentleness, mercy, flexibility, hardworking people, noble, honest, loyal, healthy. Isn't that interesting? Healthiness. See, some of the worst things, though, are unfaithfulness, and especially if the spouse doesn't even know about it. Being disrespectful to women, vulgar men. How about this? Vulgar women. Disrespectful men. This is a big one. Immature people. Selfish people. How about these? The person that's acting like an idiot, an imbecile, or a moron and thinks they're funny. So see, adults, true adults, check the room. What's the tone? What's the aroma? What's the age of the people? What's the overall ambience? See, adults are able to conform enough to get along unless it goes against truly their own value system. So think about that. I can pretty much get along with anybody. However, if it goes against my value system, I certainly won't be able to have intimacy at all. And I'm going to have a difficult time being polite with that person. So we need to remind ourselves, if you're in a partnership with another human and you are representative of that partnership, then think about this, how companies hold their employees to a certain standard so that those employees don't defame or embarrass the company. So isn't that interesting? A company can hold us accountable for our behaviors, but we think that we can't hold our spouse or our children or our best friends accountable. So I want you to ask yourself, do you want to be attractive? Are you willing to put the work into being attractive? Or are you struggling with immaturity and actually think that just showing up is enough. See, this means you're very immature and or selfish because you're thinking that you don't have to do anything to be attractive. This is how we deal with teenagers, toddlers, and infants. We take care of them and love them because of where they're at in their life. But when we have adults that think that they're still under that umbrella, 
that they can do anything, say anything, act like anything, wear anything they want, and still be attractive? Well, we have a very immature person. So these people don't check the temperature of the room. They assume that what they think is funny, everyone else will find funny. So I want to ask you, if you want to be an adult, a bona fide adult, are you willing to adjust to the people that you're interacting with? Are you willing to check the temperature of the room and find out, hey, do they think this kind of a joke might be funny? If I'm not sure, I might want to wait. I might want to see more of what the tone and temperature of the group is before I maybe scare everyone. So what or how we're remembered for, see, this is the experience that others have of us. It's the aroma that our lives leave the lingering aroma of our life, and the courage we bring to our willingness to own what others experience of us when they're interacting with us. You know, we've all had the experience of interacting with people and seem to be having a good time. And then you leave to go home and you start to kind of feel, I don't know, quote unquote, yucky. And you think, why do I feel that way? Well, It's the aroma of the person. See, your experience of them, once you're not with them, then there's this more of an honest way of, wow, how do I really feel about that person? And so I'm left with this lingering kind of feeling of, I thought I was having fun with that person, but, you know, I'm not feeling so good about it right now. I don't really like it. I feel kind of gross. And so this is where we want to really go back and say to ourselves, what is attraction? How do we lose it and how do we regain it? Now, I don't, I don't want you to be somebody that you're not. Uh, that, that's not what we're implying here. What we're really wanting to work on is saying, what happened? What happened to the United States? What happened to our people that we somehow think that we can just show up any way that we are and we're supposed to be loved somehow? So I can wear the most sloppy clothes. I cannot take a shower for a week. Don't have to comb my hair. I can use whatever language I want, and people are supposed to love me and like me and want to be around me. Well, that's a very immature way of thinking. See, we tolerate so much from humans that are dependent on us. We tolerate a lot because they're dependent. But you see, grown adults that own houses, have cars, go on vacations, are actually having babies as well. You know, we're not going to give them the same deference. We need to, to raise our expectations of adults. And, and when you think, think about the 50s, now I'm not saying that the 50s was perfect, of course it wasn't. But what we do know about the 50s is people actually dressed up, especially if they were going on a plane. People didn't, you know, swear and yell when they were in public. People wore clothing that kind of, you know, covered their body. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've been in a restaurant, I've been, you know, at the airport, I've been at at a, you know, a store, and I'm thinking to myself, so you just got out of bed and you're coming to the store in your slippers? and your hair is disheveled, and I think you got your pajamas on. So 
I want you to think about this. One of the studies that they have done about, you know, the 50s and even some, not, it's not so much 40s because that's when we had lots of warring going on. But the 50s was this kind of idyllic time, and I'm not saying it was perfect because it wasn't at all. But the idea was people had a lot more respect for themselves, and they showed up like grown-ups. Even if they didn't always act like a grown-up, they were at least more contained. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were at least felt like, hey, I, I have to tighten it up because I'm in public. And see, the problem that we have now, we don't tighten up. And, and I often remind people, I say, you know, you need to tighten up a little bit. And then I say to some, you need to lighten up a little bit. And so I want you to think about what are the rules that I'm going to impose upon myself because I do have a responsibility for the community and the world that I live in. So join me in the next segment as we talk about I'm not attracted to my spouse or maybe my spouse is no longer attracted to me. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt. I'm your host, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, we are in the second segment, and we are talking about this feeling or this reality that, wow, I'm not attracted to my spouse, or my spouse is no longer attracted to me. So we're talking about this issue of attraction, and how do we lose it? How do we regain it? And I want you to take it a little bit farther out than just maybe your best friend or your family or your husband or your wife. I want you to think about the fact that being attractive is actually a responsibility. And it's a great gift you could give society to actually be an attractive person. And I'm not talking about you know, hair and makeup and, and clothing and, you know, muscles and all this. I mean, that's, that's all great. But I'm talking about being an attractive person that people actually like to be around and people feel comfortable around and maybe even want to copy some of the things that you do. See, attraction is really a responsibility that we have to others. When we have little kiddos, teenagers especially, right? or really, really old and infirmed people in our lives. We're not going to expect them to be attractive. But the rest of us that are out and about and doing jobs and having kids and going on vacation and doing all these things, <clears throat> we really do have a responsibility to give people good feelings. If those people are willing to hang around us, see, part of good feelings is what we see and what we hear and how we feel. And so what are some qualities that maybe are attractive? And so I, I want you to think about if I'm pushing the boundaries because I want to get attention, that is certainly not going to be attractive. It may be kind of funny at some point, but pretty soon people are going to get kind of weary of it. So I want you to think about, or what about comments behind people's back? And things like, wow, what does she see in him? Or why does she tolerate him? How about, how about about men? And we say, gosh, that woman is so nasty, so mean. I feel sorry for that guy. And so this is where we want to say to ourselves, you know, there are some very unattractive things. And one of those is unfaithfulness. 
especially if the spouse doesn't know about it and all the rest of the group has to kind of pretend like they don't know. Vulgar men, vulgar women, disrespectful men, disrespectful women. How about immature and selfish people? See, how about the person that's acting like an idiot, an imbecile, a moron, and they think they're so funny? See, adults check the room. That's what adults do. They, they kind of take a, you know, the temperature of the room. Like, how much can I push? How much do I need to tighten up? How much do I need to lighten up? And so adults conform enough to get along. Now, they're not going to conform if it goes against their own value system. But we need to remind ourselves, we are in partnership with another human. You are a representative of the partnership. So if my husband and I go out together, he represents me, I represent him. If he goes out by himself, he still represents me. If I go out by myself, I represent him. And so I want you to think about, are you willing to be attractive? So when you recognize that you're in partnership with lots of different people, and people judge that. And so what about employees, you know, that, that make a complete ass of themselves? And what happens? Do they get fired? You know, the company said, we can't tolerate that. You're making us look bad. And so I want you to think about this. Are you willing to put the work into being attractive? Or are you struggling with immaturity and think that just showing up is enough? Well, that's a teenager. See, teenagers are sulking. They don't want to talk. They don't want to be polite. They're forced to be at an event, right? And this is what teenagers do. Well, okay, we understand teenagers. They're at a different part in their developmental process. But when we have adults that act like teenagers, it's really burdensome. So we have to be those people that are willing to check the temperature of the room so that they don't think that just because they think something's funny, everybody else will think it's funny. So are you willing to adjust to the people that you're interacting with? So what and how do you want to be remembered? Think about this. What is the experience that others have of you or us, if it's a couple, or our family? See, the aroma our life leaves, it's that lingering aroma of our life and the courage we bring to our willingness to own what others experience when they're interacting with us. We're not babies. We're not children. We're not teenagers. So we've all had the experience of interacting with people, and you kind of seem to be having a good time. Then you leave and go home, and you start to feel kind of yucky. And you think to yourself, why do I feel that way? Well, it's the aroma of the person, your experience of them. Once you're not with them, you get this more honest understanding of how you really feel with that person. And so one of the things that we can really understand causes this kind of yucky feeling with people is if you're dealing with a selfish person. And see, there's lots of ways to be selfish. We can be selfish about our money. We can be selfish about our love, selfish about our intellect. How about selfish around our own energy, selfish about our love, or selfish about our support, and selfish about acceptance? See, selfishness is an item that, that we understand as withholding. See, it's like I've got something you want, and I'm going to see if I want to give it to you. It's the refusal to share. 
or to fill in the gaps when someone else can't. But the one I really want to talk about today may carry pieces of what I've just read off, but it's a truly, it's truly selfishness that is rarely talked about. See, there's many forms of selfishness, and sometimes it can even see, be seen as a positive. But today I want to address an area of selfishness that is oftentimes never addressed or even talked about. And this being that this, uh, this idea that my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my lover, my husband, my children, whoever, that, my coworkers, should always be attracted to me. No matter how I look, no matter what I've done, no matter how I'm acting, they should still be attracted to me. See, I want you to really think about this. This is what babies are like. Babies are tough. They scream, they whine, they cry, they smell, they, they do all kinds of things. They throw things, they throw up. And we accept that because they're babies. So what happens when we have an adult that's either a teenager or a toddler in their own body? See, this is the person that might be really fun to be around and then gets really tiresome because they're really not that funny anymore. It's exhausting to be with an immature adult. And many times what happens is we may think that, wow, maybe I just need to give them just some, some, you know, I don't know, some grace. Maybe they're just not on their game. And then we find out that they're like this every time we see them and how exhausting they are. And then you know what really happens? Oftentimes we start to feel guilty because we don't want to be with them. But we feel like we're not allowed to say that. We feel like we're not allowed to say, hey, I can't put my finger on it completely, but I, I just cannot be around you anymore. I can't do it. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about different forms of selfishness. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking about this idea or this feeling, experience, that I'm no longer attracted to my spouse, or my spouse is no longer attracted to me, or I'm not very attracted to my business, I'm not very attracted to my neighbors, I'm not attracted to whoever it may be. And see, this is what we want to talk about is what is attraction and how do we lose it? And how do we regain it if we lost it? See, this is what's interesting. I want you to recognize and know that attraction is your responsibility. As an adult, you can learn to be an attractive person. And it has nothing really to do with your physical makeup, unless you don't take care of yourself, like never take a bath or something, right? So here's the thing. Attraction really is an experience that somebody has of you. And so you don't have to be physiologically beautiful to be highly attractive. And so when we think about what is attraction, and, and absolutely there are, there are things that that one special person in our life just attracted us about. But that's not going to keep us attracted. See, we have to continue to be attractive. And a lot of that has to do with how we do our own life, 
how we manage our own body, our own mind, our own heart, our soul, how we act in public, how kind we are, how immature or selfish we might be or moronic or whatever it is if we are just a lazy relator. And we've talked about lazy relators on this show before. And this is what I want you to think about. If you want to be attractive, are you willing to put the work into being attractive? And I'm not, I'm not saying that you take on some persona. And what I'm saying is attractive people, regardless of their physical appearance, I mean, unless they're disheveled and they don't take showers or something, their appearance isn't nearly as important as how you feel when you're with them. And see, if you're with someone that's kind, if you're with someone that's funny, and not vulgar, but just funny, if you're with someone that is respectful of you, guess what happens? They become more attractive every single time. And you become more attractive to them if you respond appropriately to what they're giving you. So if you want to be attractive, I want you to ask yourself, are you willing to put work into being attractive? Are you struggling with immaturity and you think that everybody should just love you the way that you are? Well, that's what we do with toddlers. That's what we do with teenagers. That's what we do with people that are incapacitated and can't take care of themselves and are hospitalized. We give them that kind of deference. Grown adults, no. See, grown adults are the ones that are running the show. So we want people out there that are making the world a better place. And so I want you to think about this. Healthy people check the room. So they, but they don't just assume that everything they think is funny, everybody else will find funny. So they adjust to the people that they're interacting with. So when we talk about this idea of attraction, I want you to know the most unattractive thing is selfishness. And we talked about this a little bit in the last segment, that there's a lot of ways to be selfish. And there's a lot of things that you can do that you might think are just being assertive, but you might find that they're very selfish. So selfishness is oftentimes understood as withholding. See, it's the refusal to share or the refusal to fill in the gaps when someone else can't. But the one that we're really talking about today may carry pieces of what I just read off, but it's truly a selfishness that is rarely talked about. There are many forms of selfishness, and sometimes we see it as maybe even being positive. But we're going to really address what's never addressed or even talked about that. And this being the idea that my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my lover, my family should always be attracted to me. If they really loved me, they would love me all the time and be always attracted to me. And one of the most disrespectful things we can do to a relationship is to not take care of our appearance. The way we dress, our personal habits, the way we talk, how organized we are, whether we live, our value system. And see, this is what happens when people get married because we usually are really showing up in order to attract that person that we're falling in love with. And then somehow we get lazy and we forget how susceptible they are to how we act, how we look, what we do. And so this is where we have to understand that our personal value system and habits, the way we talk, how organized we are, whether we live our value system and seemingly maybe think it's okay if all the things I did to attract them don't apply anymore. 
See, that contradiction is what will really, really affect your relationship and all of them that you have. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of selfishness as a way to be attractive. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining in and for sharing this show with all of your friends and family. And today we are talking about attraction. And one of the greatest issues of attraction is whether or not my spouse is attracted to me or if I'm no longer attracted to my spouse. And so what we're doing today is we're talking about what can really help that kind of attraction and what is attracting to people. And so we left off talking about this idea about selfishness, and there's lots of ways to be selfish, and we can be selfish about our money, selfish about our love, selfish about our intellect. How about selfish around our own energy, selfish about love, selfish about our support, maybe, and selfish about, you know, requiring acceptance, And selfishness, you know, is oftentimes understood as withholding or the refusal to share or fill in the gaps for someone who can't. But the one I really want you to think about today carries pieces of what I just read off, but it's also truly a selfishness that's not usually talked about because there's many forms of selfishness and sometimes it can even be seen as a positive. And so when we have addressed this, I want you to think about what we what has never really been addressed or even talked about in terms of selfishness. And this is the idea that my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my lover, my family should always be attracted to me. And see, one of the most disrespectful things that we can do to a relationship is not take care of our appearance, the way we dress, our personal habits, the way we talk, how organized we are, whether we live out our own value system, or maybe seemingly think it's okay if all the things I did to attract that person doesn't apply anymore. Now, we're recognizing that attraction, (coughs) excuse me, isn't all about physical appearance. It's how I feel when I'm with the person. It's all the things that go into that person. So this is when we have to think about how organized maybe we are, whether we live out our value system, Maybe we seemingly think it's okay if everything I did to attract them doesn't have to apply anymore. And see, the contradiction is that we'll still put on the best show, our best appearance, our best mood and behavior for everybody else in the world. But somehow we think that because their relationship has this high level of safety and security and acceptance, we somehow feel like it's okay to be the laziest, barest, disheveled, unkempt, smelly, fat, moody, depressed, angry, critical an assuming version of ourselves. See, if this is hitting you like it hit me, I know what it feels like. We've talked about this in varying degrees, but I thought it might be really important to address it again. You know, what caused me to think about this was watching a TV show on TV land, and it was in the 50s. And it was an era in which people did not go out of their home unless they were put together. You know, today we have people that go to the grocery store with their pajamas on. It's it's unprecedented. I can't, I can't, I don't even know what to say about it. And so, excuse me, it's this way to respect other humans 
that I, even if I don't know who that human is, I can respect them by at least not having them have to contend with the rawest, dirtiest, most unkempt version of me, right? I would rather you put it together before you go outside. Now, this may seem harsh, but what's really important is actually self-respect and that of others. Do you not respect yourself enough to put yourself together? Do you not respect society enough to put yourself together? This goes along with the idea of adulting that we have talked about several times. See, the research about how humans conduct themselves has a lot to do with how they're dressed. The way they dress, their hair, their makeup, their attire, and most importantly, their cleanliness. Many times it's a reflection or an indication of how we feel. So think about when you're sick. Do you take a shower? No, you're too sick. <laughs> if you're depressed, do you care about how you look? No. See, the research I have found on this concept was very interesting in that people's mood changed when they dressed up. People acted better when they were cleaned up, dressed up, and put together. Immature people don't feel as if they need to, quote, show up for people. Apparently, they think their presence is all that's needed. So what we see, and I, I looked up this, you know, I was kind of researching this, and I have found that research actually shows that the clothes you wear actually change the way you perform. Now, I've known this, but it was really fascinating to find an article on it. And this is from Getty Images. And what it's saying is, if you've ever watched the rehearsal process of a play, then you know just how powerful clothes are. Even in the very early stages of a project, professional actors will come to a practice in certain clothing pieces that make them feel more like their character. Perhaps it's an old pair of shoes, a long and heavy skirt, or a bandana that helps them, you know, get the right swagger or grace. So a few weeks later, when they're closer to opening, they'll have an actual dress rehearsal with the real costumes. And it's pretty amazing to see how the right clothes bring the performances up to a whole new level and transform the actor into the character. As business professionals, okay, as people that really want to aspire and be the best version of who we are, we can really learn from this. Like it or not, your clothes and presentation communicate volumes about you as a person. The person is not whether you care about fashion. See, that's not the question. It's more about what you're communicating intentionally or unconsciously through your fashion choices. Just as an actor in the right costume moves and speaks differently, so does the everyday person. The clothes, your clothes, tell a story about you. If you want to show that your work is clean, sharp, and to the point, well, people that, that are that way, they have a tendency to dress in clean lines and sharp creases. You know, and even the way you wear your glasses speaks volumes about you and your work. So research shows that you can tell a lot about someone's personality, their politics, their status, their age and income just looking at a photo of their shoes. So you may have not noticed, but when President Barack Obama addressed a crowd of working class Americans, he would speak with no jacket and his sleeves were rolled up. That silently and instantly communicated to the audience that he, too, was a hard worker. So you might remember when a 44-page dress code published by Swiss Bank, it went viral. 
And so there were so many obsessive stipulations detailed from it. It was like if you wear a watch, it suggested something like reliability and punctuality. And so this is where we want to think about it's not about being control freaks. It's about recognizing that people, their brain picks up on so many cues that consciously you're not even aware of, and it, and it drills it down to a concept. And so this is what you want to think about. A tie can make you look reliable and rooted in tradition, but you still have to follow through with that if that's what you want people to think about you. So this is how clothing impacts your thinking. See, of course, dressing smart is, an, is also important for your confidence and sense of self-empowerment. But your style does more than just send messages to, my, to you or to others. The newest research shows that it actually impacts how you think. And so I am really hard on clients sometimes when I say, you know, you're, you're living in your pajamas all the time simply because you can work online. And what we teach employees in major companies is that even if you're working at home, okay, eat your breakfast. If you want to do morning exercises, do that. Then take a shower, put your dress clothes on. You don't have to be like in a three-piece suit. But if you're sitting there in your pajamas, your brain is contradicted. It's thinking, are we relaxing or are we working? And so your work is not going to be as good as you would like it to be. So this is where the formality of clothing it, it might, you know, it, it might not only influence the way others perceive you, but it also helps how you, perceive, how you perceive yourself. And so professional attire creates social distancing. When we are more socially distant, we tend to think in more distinct and abstract terms. So if we're wanting to be more creative, then we change our clothing. We wear clothes that are more comfortable, not suits. We sit on the floor, Right. Maybe we just sit at a table and, and eat, you know, cashews or something. So even after controlling for socioeconomic status, students wearing more formal clothing showed stronger inclinations towards abstract processing. Isn't that interesting? And so this is where we have to really understand what's going on with us as people. And so when we think about this, all the world's a stage in some ways. It's not the clothing per se. It's the willingness to honor others by not being a slob or, quote, a teenager that's smelly or distracting or too much cleavage or too loud, too vulgar, immature, not, you know, quote, checking or honoring the audience. In other words, thinking about, you know, maybe the Rost version of you is somehow cute. See, let's go back to being adults. And realizing that we need to have something to offer in order to be wanted, loved, respected, and chosen. The people in your life are not your parents or God. So show up as a grown-up. Spare your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your kids, or your boss and coworkers the uncomfortable feelings that happen when, you know, you're not aware of your own behaviors. And the nuance that you leave when you're done. Be someone that people are proud to know and be associated with. That's the greatest gift you could give to people that love you and work with you. Be a grown-up. So I don't want you to have regrets after you leave. I don't want you to be thinking, you know, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. Well, if you mess up, 
apologize. Simple. Remember, whether you like it or not, you represent more people, places, and things than you may realize. So button it up. Be someone people want to know and be with. This is super important when we think about just because people aren't talking to us doesn't mean they don't see us. And this is how we can impact our world subtly, but actually that subtleness holds a lot of power. And so you matter. You are seen even when you are unaware. For example, I represent all women. I represent all therapists. I represent Christians. I represent parents. I represent the wives. So you, do you get the picture? So if this is important, let's go back to being adults and realizing that we need to have something to offer in order to be wanted, loved, respected, and chosen. The people in your life are not your parents. They're not God. So you affect them. And it's important for you to recognize that attraction can be absolutely gained back. And it has a lot to do with how you act. For me and my husband, I'm very polite to my husband. And not because I'm afraid of him, for heaven's sakes, but because I respect him and I love him and I want him to have good feelings in our home. And so one of the ways I do that, I smile a lot. And if I can't smile, if I'm in a bad mood, I tell him. I say, you know what, honey, this is not you, this is me. I just kind of had a hard day and I, I got to get a handle on myself because I don't feel like I want to be very nice right now. And as soon as I say that, you know what happens? He just has more love for me. He can understand that. He gets that because I'm being honest and I'm being real and I'm taking absolute responsibility for my own self, knowing how much I affect him. And so this is important for us. We have a responsibility to others. And we want to use those qualities that are attracting to people and that cause them to feel better simply because they interacted with us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for listening today, for sharing it with your friends, and make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and I will talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.